Goodness gracious, man. All right, we made it. We made it, guys. We're not starting exactly 10 minutes late, but we're close, okay? We're close to 10 minutes late. That's how we roll here. Show up late. You know, start late, end early, right? That's the mountain people for you. That's what they like. We don't want to be on time, and don't keep us till the end. Yeah, like, don't keep us any longer. But um, just to kind of start off tonight, I just wanted to bring up a couple of things. Again, we've got these sheets in the back. If we don't have your info and you want the reminder text every week that this is happening on the day of, or an email as well, like the day before, boom, 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 boom. Um, we'll get that stuff put into the whole list for you. As well, in the back, we've got a list that I'm calling the connection list. It's like, hey, if you come here and you're willing to have other people text you or call you, put your name on that list and your cell number, right? Um, then I'm going to take that and I'm going to make all of that stuff available to everybody here, right? So there might be some people who are like, you know, I don't want to make my number available, but I'm going to take some people's numbers and call and bug them. That's great. You know what I mean? <laughs> the list is going to be at the table back there, right? So it's essentially you saying, I'm willing to kind of put myself out there to be bugged or, you know, messaged or called by some people here to either meet for lunch, breakfast, or just talk, or whatever. We're just trying to create that kind of vibe again, you know, where people can actually connect a little bit. Um, I think it's important, you know? So anyway, that list is back there. Put your name on it, because we're going to create that hopefully by next time. And then we'll just keep adding, you know? You're not out. You're just not on the first list. That's it. It's OK. If you need to warm up to the idea, that's all right. Um, in the back as well, here's an info flyer about the Costa Rica Caribbean Experience 2020 that's happening in April. Here's the big, this kind of goes through location, dates, accommodations, the plan, the people, the fun, the trip cost approximately. Kent Gledhill is the guy who's helping us with this. And he said that he hopes this cost is high, you know, because you never want to come back and tell people, oh, it costs more. That's not what we like to do. We always like to hear, oh, and by the way, it's going to cost less. And then everybody's like, this is amazing. So anyway, this list is back there as a flyer to take, to ponder. At the November 5th MTL, afterwards, Kent's coming, and we're going to have a quick meeting about this. We're going to see how many people are interested, how many people want to make this happen. This is for everybody. This is for singles, couples, families, kids, everybody. We're trying to make a service project trip that we could experience together, and it can span the ages, and it can also be really fun. So if you look at this and you're like, damn, that's an expensive uh, <laughs> service project trip. It's like, well, it's supposed to be fun, too. It's kind of vacation and let's help some people, and let's connect, right, and kind of make this happen. So anyway, this is back on the table. Take one before you go. There's like 30 of them, so we're covered. It's all good. And then last thing is this. Um, November 19th is our second MTL meeting for November, and I told you this was coming. So this is either a free night for you because you're really not interested, or you are like, absolutely, I couldn't wait. I've been dying to go to Mortal Life's game night, okay? So November 19th, it's the second time in November and let me tell you this. I mean, we're not going to play Trivial Pursuit and be like, ah, you're dumb. Like, it's not that kind of a thing. That's not what we're going to do. We're going to do Trivial Pursuit? No, no. This is game night, and this is going to be an interactive game. And this is going to be a game that we can all 
participate in. Now, Ann and I have done this game several times. First time we did it was at her dad's 70th birthday party with lots of people. And we set up all these different stations. And now some of you have maybe played this game. Some of you have not played this game. I don't even know if I want to tell you what it is. Should I tell them what it is? I know, I know, I know. OK, it's Bunko. It's Bunko. Now, Bunko is this game. First of all, you're thinking, I don't know what Bunko is. Or some of you are thinking, I know exactly what Bunko is. Here's what you have to be able to do to play Bunko. Pick up some dice, roll them, and drop them. That's all you have to be able to do. That's it. And then you have to be able to get up from that table and go to another table, because this is a Bunko tournament. And it's kind of fun. Because like there's one head table that determines the whole pace of the game. And depending on how they score, that determines the pace of that round. And then we all get up and move tables. So you're constantly sitting across from a new person and like bantering with four people at this table. And then you get up again, and you go to a new table. It's kind of like speed dating. But like <laughs> you're just kind of all over the place. Zero skill. I mean, zero. You might find out that you're amazing at Bunko, and you never knew it before in your life. I am not that guy, because no matter how many times I roll dice, they never land the way I want. It just doesn't happen for me. Um, but anyway, November 19th, we'll be Bunko. We'll have this whole space, and we're going to have a good little time right, with whoever comes. So if you need to duck out that night, I get it. But we would love to have you at Mortalize first game night. Second, actually. Second. Because we did this a long time ago in year one. And we didn't know what we were doing then. But we know what we're doing now. So I can't wait for November 19th game night. Anyway. Yes. Yes. We'll drop that in the community thing for sure. For sure. For sure. It's not going to be like an escape room. Nothing scary. I promise. No murder mystery. Just bunko. Just bunko. Now, um, on to tonight's little topic of leisure. Um, I never call it that, but I guess that's the right way. And I'm a big stickler on things like that, because when everybody says I'm going to the gondola, I'm like, you mean the gondola? Because it's a gondola, guys. Look, go look that one up tonight. Gondola, gondola. <laughs> go look that up tonight and just see. Are you? Paddling a boat to the top of the mountain? That's all I want to say. That's it, right? OK. So <laughs> for real. So leisure tonight. Leisure, leisure, leisure. Now, I dropped this in the last time we were together, but I don't think many of you understood what I said. Because I didn't get the shock factor that I was looking for from all of you. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you this one story again. Because I dropped it so effortlessly last time. And um, afterwards, I mentioned it to someone. And then I forgot, to, I left out one very critical part. So anyway, my parents got into town two weeks ago, and they came to More to Life. And that day that they got here, I had a lot to do. They got here earlier than they're supposed to. They always do. I don't know why it catches me off guard every single time. But it does. And they got here, and I'm in the midst of still trying to work on this talk a little bit, come up with some questions, figure this out. I was answering a ton of emails. I had some phone calls that day. I was late getting to lunch, so I started my lunch around 1.30ish, 1 o'clock. At the same time, my parents were already there, so I'm kind of in entertainment mode. I'm also making sure that all the sheets are washed in our house. I'm doing some last-minute cleaning. So I've got the laundry going. I started the laundry. I brought my laptop downstairs. Boom. 
My dad starts fixing this handrail in our house. So he's got the drill out and he's doing crazy stuff. I run into the kitchen to do dishes. So I start the sink going because I'm filling the sink with water. I run back. I also get my lunch going. And then I sit down and my mom's taking a shower. And so all of this kind of stuff is just happening at once. And I pride myself on being a multitasker, right? Anyway, I'm sitting down and I'm sitting down and I'm sitting down. And then I'm working on all this stuff and I hear this loud noise, this like pop in the kitchen. I was like, what was that? My dad was like, what was that? He could hear it over the drill. And I was like, I don't know. So I just start moving over towards the kitchen. It's only been about 10 minutes. Whirlwind of activity. And I get over to the kitchen and I just see water coming over the edge of the sink. Because I started the water and it's been going, right? For about 10 minutes. And now it's on the floor coming towards my feet. And so then I scream some words I won't repeat. And then I'm like, Dad, get over here. And he's like, oh, and, I, and this water's just scalding hot. I throw my hand down into the sink. I don't care. I pull the plug, and it starts going down. And I'm like, Whoa. I run upstairs. I grab every towel I have in the house, right? Which isn't that much because there's some in the laundry, dang it, wet. So anyway, so I'm throwing down towels, and we make all this happen. And then for the next, like, two and a half hours, I am in, like, cleanup mode. Get the wet vac. Get this. Like, MTL talk. <laughs> Um, like everything else is just to the side. Now, pride myself in being the multitasker. Pride myself doing as much as possible, as fast as possible, because we're limited to 24 hours, right? There are those 24 hours that are in every single given day. And granted, maybe there's a fraction more or a fraction less because of that huge concrete dam they built in China, but you guys heard about that, right? Kind of kind of altered the Earth's axis just a little bit, tilted us. So there's a little bit more. Anyway, but so oh, like 24 hours is all I've got. And that's kind of what I do. And I know you guys feel that same vibe. 24 hours is all there is. And the question is, whew, that limit's not going anywhere. So lurking beneath, behind every little self-development podcast, every kind of little self-help book, every business model that's out there, every kind of life hack known to humankind is this idea, how can we do more in these 24 hours? How can we get better? How can we do it easier, faster, cheaper? How can we put in less effort and maximize output? How can we go from what we're at now, the effort, shrink that sucker down, and get more and more and more and more done in those 24 hours? Welcome to the hustle, right? That's the word we've thrown on this. It's the hustle. How can we accomplish more, make more, do more in 24 hours, because that's not going anywhere. Now, it's all about getting there, wherever there is, faster, easier, cheaper, better, like, you know, on that route. Now, the birth date of the hustle is 1913. Boom, it's right here. Birth date of the hustle. You might not know that, but it is. Hustle, not so much, but hustle, 1913. Here's where it all started. 
1913 special, why? Does anybody know? October 7th? Henry. Yes, Henry Ford. I mean, what else? I know. <laughs> Henry Ford. October 7th, 1913, the official day that the assembly line production started cranking, right? He paid attention to those butcher houses and saw those things of meat hanging on hooks that like went around on some kind of machine and saw the butchers just do their thing and then boom, 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 boom. Couldn't I do this with cars? Thought Henry Ford and so he made it happen. And life was forever changed and we don't really even think about it because we just say, this has been life forever. This is how this has gone. But 1913 is when it all kind of started. And then it shifted everything. Like people, the distance they traveled changed. You know, like towns and things were usually only about 12 and 13 miles long because that's all we wanted to walk. That's all we could handle. We were like, don't make the town longer than that. And when you talked about going from another town to another town, it's not like, oh, I've got to go from Breckenridge to Frisco. Uh, it was like much more of an ordeal, guys, before all of that started. So life changed. It was altered and things became different. And the way that we see and engage the world was forever altered because of this assembly line production. We became assembly line creatures. And I'm not sure if you feel it or if you know where I'm kind of going with that, but I'm going to come back to that in just a moment. Now, both industrial revolutions, number one, number two, they created so much production, labor-saving tech and devices, you know, that it was just unreal. And I want to point out in 1928, so this is after birth date, good old John Maynard Keynes, he wrote this short essay I'm sure you guys have all read. It's called Economic Possibilities for Our Grandchildren. And um, it's funny. And I've got some excerpts from it that I just want, to, want you to hear. So 1928. John Maynard Keynes, right? Right here. Economic possibilities for our grandchildren. By 2028, he proposed that the standard of life in Europe and the US would be so improved that no one would need to worry about making money anymore. By 2028, this is what he was saying. And this is like a, this guy's like, he's educated. Like he's a smarty pants. Like this guy knows what he's talking about. And when he put this out, people were like on board and thinking this is like where we're headed. So again, he proposed that by 2028, no one would have to worry about making money anymore. Grandchildren would work about three hours a day, you know? And honestly, that was even labor that wasn't necessary. His grandchildren? His grandchildren. Yes, as adults, they would be working about three hours a day and that wasn't even really, that labor, just not even really necessary. Not even really necessary. Now, he said the coming age of abundance would pose new and bigger challenges than we had ever faced before. Here's what it was. He said, for the first time since creation, man would be faced with his real permanent problem. How to occupy the leisure. Period. Yeah, he feared that society might actually suffer a sort of generalized nervous breakdown because of the dilemma of how to occupy leisure. And those who could truly appreciate the art of life itself would be able to truly enjoy themselves. 
But everybody else who couldn't get it and who couldn't grasp, like, what leisure is, like, man, you're in trouble. Like, if you just can't figure it out. Now, if you're like me, I know you're thinking the same thing. You're saying, what leisure? Like, where's that at? Like, where's all that leisure that this guy's talking about? Because I'll tell you what, like, if anything, we suffer from a lack thereof. Like, when it comes to leisure, this idea of leisure, by the way, is, is just like time away, off from things like work, job hunting, education, chores. And I'm even going to throw in there something else. Because we live in a very active community. And when we think of leisure and the assembly line creature in us says, here comes Saturday, day off of work. I'm going to get the most out of every single moment on the day. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to wake up at the crack of dawn, and I'm going to hike the 14er. After the 14er, I'm going to go grab lunch with a friend. After I grab lunch with a friend, I'm going to hit the trails, and I'm going to go out and get, you know what I mean? So just let me throw in there. This idea of leisure is kind of like a do-nothing day. It's kind of like a day where you enjoy breathing. It's kind of like one of those days where you can actually take a nap and not feel guilty about it, right? Because what else were you going to do? Like, most of the time we take naps because we're so exhausted and we fall asleep. And you put in a movie and you're desperately trying to watch it. And then you, like, take a nap. You call that taking, that's not taking a nap. That's passing out. <laughs> that's what that is. You're not taking a nap. So this idea of leisure is something that we desperately need, believe it or not. And this guy thought back in 1928 that we were going to have so much of it, we wouldn't know what to do. But that is just not the case in 2019. That is not where we have found ourselves. Instead, we have found ourselves in quite a busy, busy predicament. Now, I did a talk not too long ago, and I talked about this whole idea of, like, why the hurry? Why the hurry? You know what I mean? Like, we are literally punching in maps, and we're taking the route that saves us three minutes. And for some reason, like, the time pressure is increasing. We feel this pressure more and more and more. And we're literally just trying to save minutes. And we don't even know why. Because a lot of the times, those minutes go absolutely nowhere. We don't know what to do with them. Now, I was going to just let you guys know, I read this study by this person who was looking at their holiday letters. Who sends holiday letters? Anybody? Do you guys do that anymore? Have we just like forgotten that too? We're like too busy, right? So now you just put out a Facebook post. Happy holidays from the Gallagher family. Bam! You know, and it's like, boom, can't even type a letter. But this person saved holiday letters for over a decade. And what they started to notice was is that the holiday letter was no longer about all of the blessings, all of the good things, all of the great times, all of the feelings that the season conjures up. Instead, letters transitioned from that over this decade that this person watched, and they all became a letter that talked about how jam-packed their last year was and everything that they did and had to accomplish and made happen. Like, it just transitioned slowly when she was looking at these letters. Now, I'm sure that you guys are under the same impression I am. The hustle has brought along with it some mental illness and some physical illness that we didn't see coming. Because honestly, the hustle was all about like, I'm going to have more time. I'm going to get more stuff done so I can have more time. 
But somehow the hustle just increased and increased and increased. And we never found that leisure we were really looking for. We never found that super version of ourselves that we were striving after in the hustle. It never really promised what it said it would deliver. Now, some people say, we were just talking with a teacher at conferences last night. She was checking in on Silas because he's doing full DP. And she was like, so how are you sleeping, Silas? He's like, I'm sleeping pretty good, you know, seven to eight hours a night. And she's like, okay, because this is about the time of the year where students start sleeping less. It's like the first thing you throw out the window. You're like, I can do less of that. I don't need to sleep, right? And so people start throwing it out the window, but at the same time, they use it like it's a trophy, right? And they say this, I pulled an all-nighter last night. <sighs> like it was something amazing. What we found kind of in our culture, especially in the past like couple of decades, the busier you are, the more important you are. We've kind of felt that to a certain degree. It's like if you can outschedule someone, good deal. Keeping up with the Joneses, Joneses is just outscheduling them now. You know what I mean? To feel like you're super busy and you can just fill that kind of schedule up. We, uh, I looked at this kind of statistic. I wanted to throw this out for you too. The average employed American now works roughly 140 hours more than the average Englishman per year, okay? And 300 more hours than the average Frenchman. It's in the French law that employers have to give them 30 paid vacation days a year. In the English law, it's 28 paid vacation days a year. In the US, it's zero. So there's something about our culture here and this productivity, this first industrial revolution, this second industrial revolution that happened up here that have pushed us and said, be a part of the hustle, engage in the hustle. Here's what the hustle's going to do. Join, 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 sign up, sign up, sign up. And believe it or not, we've all kind of adopted these lifestyles that say, we believe that more wealth is the answer. It is. And we trade income for leisure all the time. We do it. In that study I was reading about like how many more hours the average American works, it said, yep. And so a lot of other countries, honestly, are still decreasing the amount they work, and they're trying to, while Americans, very skilled at consuming things, keep upping it. And here's what he said in the article. He goes, so they can buy newer, bigger TVs, because every room needs one. And not only the back of your car, the front of your car, too. Like, is what it said. And I was like, oh, that's harsh. But there's something in me that feels that. I'm not going to lie. I've definitely been a part of the hustle. Back in college, every break I would take, I would get sick. And I didn't really kind of pinpoint that. And I came here, and I started like working here, and the same thing happened. We would go back and visit Ann's family, my family, and immediately, as soon as I clicked off, I would get ill. And it was just my pace. It was the hustle. And it was costing me something. And a lot of the times, I didn't even realize what that cost was. I wasn't paying attention to it at all. So this hustle kind of mentality has brought along with it some mental illness, some physical illness. It's overcomplicated our lives. And believe it or not, it's incredibly distanced us from some of our humanity, from some of our families, from some of our 
connections and communities from some of our neighborhoods. And we didn't really stop to think about what that cost might do to us. You know, I talked just recently about human interaction and connection and how important it is. And like, you can go back and listen to that podcast after you hear tonight, because it would be a great piggyback on top of this one. The cost of the hustle. Now, um, <laughs> rather than kind of feeling superhuman, rather than having all of this leisure, We've been going along, we're checking off all of the cultural expectations, we're fully engaged in the hustle, even of us, some of us still, you've got your hustle and you've got your side hustles. I mean, you've got to keep hustling, hustling, hustling. And meanwhile, we're not really where we had hoped we would be. We didn't really arrive at the place that we thought, and rather, we're kind of overwhelmed, a little burned out, a little tired, a little wired, a little anxious, and a little bit of running on empty. And so what do we do? We listen to a podcast, we read that book, and we hear things like, well, we've got to be more disciplined, we've got to try harder, we've got to work harder so we can play harder. We have to put more time in and more effort in. And it's like, wait a minute, <laughs> I'm here, and that's, I feel like that's how I got here. I'm not sure that doing more of that's going to get me anywhere better. So it's quite possible that hustle isn't the solution we're necessarily looking for. And if solution's not the answer, I kind of back up and I go, so what is, you know? Like if it's not the hustle, then what is it? The hustle also, for me, translates into efficiency. And I'm not sure if any of you guys feel that or not, but this idea of efficiency and um, kind of what we're gonna make happen. But Sky was this youth program that I ran for a long time. And I had leaders that would come in and they were like, oof, we need to dial this up. We need to crank this out. We need to turn this into a well oiled machine. I hear things like that, and I'm like, but we aren't. <laughs> we are not well-oiled machines. We do not receive updates. We don't think ourselves into better versions of ourselves. This doesn't happen. But we're in a culture that's more obsessed with metrics and data than ever before. We're just a bunch of data junkies. We're in this like age of infobesity, and we're like consuming it and taking it in. Like, Here's the deal. 1574, people in 1574, we now, on a daily average, consume as much information in one day as it took these people to consume in their entire lifetime. That's where we're at. That's what's hitting us, that's what we're taking in, that's what we're going through. And sometimes it can feel a little bit overwhelming and sometimes, too, we can think, well, if I just drink that coffee drink every day and listen to that podcast and do this app and track my steps on my Fitbit and make this happen, that I'm going to be better. How's it working out for us? It doesn't seem to be doing that great. Like, and I'm not going to knock all of it. I'm not going to knock you because you're like, well, I feel really better. I'm doing 10,000 steps a day. Okay, okay, okay. I mean, someone's sitting out there saying, Phil, you're totally off. Come on, let's take it at a broad look, though. And what's exhausting us and emptying us and this whole efficiency idea. Sometimes efficiency can honestly just get in the way and be the enemy. Because here's the thing. Less effort, better output. Assembly line creature production. Like, if we're going to take that whole mentality and then I'm going to dump it onto relationships with people, it doesn't work. Less time with people, 
like the efficiency aspect of being in a relationship, trying to streamline that sucker, it doesn't do any good. Because relationships don't work that way. You can't take that assembly line production thing and throw it on relationships. Guess what? I don't think it's how we work as human beings and individuals. We're looking for all the shortcuts and all the life hacks and all the tips to get us there faster with less effort. That's not how it happens, guys. It does take time. It does take practices instead of like sometimes these goals that you just check off and you're like, patience. <laughs> Done, right? No. Patience doesn't work like that. It's this like lifelong process of going in the circle and revisiting like what is patience? Oh my gosh, here's this experience. How did I do? Here's this again. And you just come back around and you engage it again. And so it's like this art of becoming. Leisure. Leisure's the thing I want you guys to grasp a hold of tonight more than anything. I think it's a good step in a positive direction for us when it comes to saying, wait a second, what is this hustle? Wait a second. Efficiency sometimes gets in the way and is kind of this enemy. So leisure can be something that we can move closer and closer to. We're hardwired for inefficiency, honestly. Like it's kind of what we thrive on, believe it or not. It's like the best. Like it makes us come alive and it, and it like really creates something and forms something inside of us when it's messy and inefficient and takes a hard time and you fail and, and like it, it's hard, but inefficiency is what works. Here's something funny. Like if you live to be 90 years old, some mathematician in the room did this for me because I read this. So you guys are going to have to fact check me. By the time you turn to be 90, you've slept for 30 years. Well, that's weird. <laughs> that's honestly strange. By the time you turn 90, you've slept for 30 You've been out of it for 30 years. You've been disengaged with your eyes closed, checked out for 30 years. You are an, an, an inefficient person. <laughs> that's how this works, right? Can you imagine the ad that rolls out from Apple? They're like, check out the new Apple Watch. It's so cool. For eight hours a day, it's down. You can't use it. Shuts off. Yeah, who's going to buy that Apple Watch, right? Do you know what I'm saying? You are an inefficient human being. And sometimes when it comes to what we need the most, we need to be extremely inefficient. We need some leisure. We need some do-nothing days. We need some time off, some time unplugged, some time to rest and fill back up. It's built into our existence. It's been there. I mean, for, I don't even know where the date is on here anymore. Oh, 1820. Here we go. 1820, 70% of the labor force in the United States of America was farmers. Farmers, 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 farmers. Today, 1.5%. OK, so I mean, we have these industrial revolutions that take place. We have these devices and things. But we were largely an agrarian society here. And like we, like we were still, in my opinion, connected to things like the soil, the sun, water. You know what I mean? Seasons, like different things. And there has been a shift. And I'm not saying like, quick, let's buy up a bunch of farms and let's do that again. I'm just saying there's been a shift. And it's been pretty quick. We're talking 1820, 2020. 
And sometimes we go through these and we feel like it's like maybe one, two, three generations. And we feel like, oh, but life's always been this way. No, it's kind of still an experiment. And experiments are worth like looking at results and comparing results and saying, so what isn't working? What should we change? How should we tackle this? And maybe what has been the cost over this amount of time? What have we lost? What should we reclaim? What should we like try to rally around and get back? I would love kind of some of that agrarian mind to come back. And here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking rhythms. I'm thinking seasons. I'm thinking like the idea of sun up and sun down. I mean, every technolo technology kind of advancement that we've had has these trade-offs and these ideas of, well, we're going to have to compromise. There's some concessions that are made. We created the light bulb, and we were like, thank god. Like, the light bulb's amazing. We can see stuff, like, in the room, the whole room. Like, this is great. No more houses kind of burning down from candles and different things. But with the light bulb, we've, we're a generation of people. Like, we sleep worse than any generation before. And that's mainly because of electricity. I mean, that's a trade-off. Like, and, and we're trying to figure this out. We, man, we busted these circadian rhythms up a little bit, and we just don't, we're not connected to it anymore. And we feel the struggle and the pain. I have seen so many ads for like, can't sleep, eat these gummies, try that out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because we're not willing to like shut the lights off when the sun goes down. And we like watch Netflix like on our laptop until we pass out. It's like what we do. What if some of those agrarian ideas came back? What if we could actually take on some rhythms? Back to this idea of leisure then. Back to this idea of leisure. If hustle and efficiency isn't taking us where we want to go, if they're not providing us with the rootedness, the depth, the purpose, the meaning, the enjoyment, the joy, the, the fullness of life, then what can be a couple of things that we could do to feel a little bit more connected to some of that? Because I think we need a little bit more leisure. Now, in saying that, here's what I'm going to throw out for you. I think it's time we take a hard look at our time and our practices. I think it's really time we do that. And when I say take a hard look at it, it's not going to be easy because I am the biggest Biggest defender, I swear. We have this little thing inside our house right when you walk in the door. It's like a five-slotted thing. And we just, we just did a progressive dinner with our neighbors. So we like started at one person's house and had apps and cocktails. Then we went to another person's house and had and salad. Then we went to another person's house, had the main course. Then we went to another person's house and had dessert. And when we got to our house, one of the guys looked over at me because he walked right in and he said, oh, Phil, so um, I see this little device here. Does everybody have their own slot? And I said, yep, five slots, five people in my family. And I told him, that's because the hope is that we'll take our phones, come a certain time at night, and we plug them in here, and no phones go into rooms. That's the hope. And am I good at that? Terrible. I'm terrible. <laughs> I'm absolutely freaking terrible, people. I'm the biggest offender. And I know this would be a good thing for me. 
okay? So when I'm talking about these rhythms and these practices, I'm saying like maybe there's some things you can do in your life, specifically with leisure, that would help you kind of take a couple of steps away from the hustle. Because everything's going to tell you to go this direction with the hustle. Try harder. You, you just don't have enough willpower. You're not disciplined enough. You're not putting in enough time. It's like, oh my gosh, well, hang on a second here. Maybe if I take a step this way, maybe this will help. So I'm going to throw out some crazy, crazy ideas. All right. First one would be, would it be possible for you in a week or in a month? Maybe we should start with a month. Let's start with a month, right? Because baby steps, baby steps, right? What was that movie with Bill Murray? It's always baby steps, baby steps. Anybody? What about Bob? Thank you. Baby steps, baby steps. Okay. What if there would be a period in your month where you could literally shut your phone off for 24 hours? What would that look like and what would that feel like? And granted, you're an addict right now. So <sighs> I couldn't do it. But if you did it several times, what would that begin to feel like for you? Because I think leisure for us might be time away from that device. I think leisure could be that, time away from that device. I'm reading um, kind of a book right now, and this guy does it weekly. He turns his phone off for 24 hours every week. He said it's been one of the most incredible experiences of his life. He's working on almost two years of it right now. And I'm like, man, I would love to do that. I can't even put my phone next to our door in this device to charge it, though. So maybe I'm going to have to say, like, well, what would it look like to do that once a month? Hey, the rules are up to you. <laughs> and when you're an addict, you might have to start small. <laughs> you might have to start somewhere. And the other thing is this. I don't want you guys to think about some of these practices as goals that you check off a list either. I'm saying like, hey, maybe you gave up your screen, you gave up your phone for half a day. That's not failure. That's victory. Right? That's like a good half of the day that you went without. That's OK. You've got to start somewhere and start a practice that says, guess what I want to be? I want to be a person who hustles less, and I want to be a person who has more leisure. Because I really think that leisure is going to do something for me in my head and my heart. I think this is going to help me with some of my mental and physical illness, some of the burden I feel, some of the burnt outness I feel, some of the wired, tired feelings I feel, start somewhere and say, I want to be this kind of a person. So I'm going to do a practice that helps me become that person. It's not something I ever check off. It's something, hopefully, that you can do more and more. And you can be like, guess what? Now I'm doing 24 hours of no screen time at all. How would that make me feel? I'm going to suggest something really horrible here. And not everybody can do this, guys. But can you at all cut back your work hours? And I'm not saying like you should go without money and you should, you know what I mean? And I know that some of your jobs require certain things of you. But if you're that person and you can work less, why don't you? Why don't you? 
like, I'm, I'm like a list guy. And so like, you guys got to realize that everything I'm saying tonight, like Anne, I'm going to go home, she's going to be like, you know what I mean? Are you going to listen to anything you said tonight? <laughs> like, are you going to do some of this? And, and like, I'm that list guy, and I have this ongoing list, and my work never gets done. Never. And I always think, like, well, if I just put in a little bit more work tonight, an hour work more night, and what did I give up? I gave up leisure. I gave up space and rest. I gave up time with my family. I skipped dinner. I did all of these things. And tomorrow, it's all still there. <laughs> and I thought I got ahead, and I didn't. You know what I mean? If you're that kind of person that can actually cut back some of your work hours, I would encourage you to do so. And don't replace it with some other kind of work. Experience some leisure in your life. Now, I'm going to go on to this other one, which is called, like, I grew up in the church world, so the word Sabbath for me is like a big deal. But it's really just the idea of having a weekend. It was built into all of our work schedules, like, 50 years ago, for sure. It was like, you know, Saturday and Sunday were like kind of untouchable days to a certain degree. And now, schedules are all over the place. And it makes it really hard to connect with people sometimes. I don't know if you feel that, but it's like my schedule's not your schedule. And you're at work when I'm not at work. And it's like, oof, it's hard to connect with people. But what if you, in your scope of life, with your significant other, with your family, you alone, whatever, what if you created a day and you kind of said, this is my day of leisure. This is my day for rest. This is my day when I don't do this. Like, it used to be kind of built into our weekly rhythm. It's not so much anymore. Kind of nothing feels off, you know? Like, you can work all the time. You can always have something to do. Like, and maybe you go home and you're like, this is my day of leisure. Oof. I'm going to get out in the yard, and I'm going to clean up this yard because everybody else's yard is clean, and I got to, no, 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 no. You just wrecked the whole idea of leisure. You just screwed it up. Like, that's not a day of leisure. That's still a day of work and hustle. That's what that is. Maybe you could build in a rhythm, and maybe it starts with one day a month, and you totally block that entire day off to just be a person and to breathe in and out, and to enjoy this life. That's it. And so you just mark off that one day. I don't know if you guys, I grew up in the Midwest, and we actually had snow days, like real snow days. A snow day here isn't a real snow day, just FYI. When we had a snow day in the Midwest, every single thing shut down. You woke up, and somehow people were able to post it on the TV, Oh, there's no school because there's just too much snow. Nobody's going to work. The grocery store isn't open. The banks aren't open. Like you wake up as a kid, and this is like the best day ever. This is amazing. So you call your friends, and you go sledding or something because every single thing is shut down. It's like this day just given to you of leisure. And I don't know how we could institute one here locally and just be like, everything's down. I mean, the closest thing I felt to it, honestly, and I hate to say this up, but like, it's like when there's some kind of tragedy or something and everything kind of stops and we're put in our place and we're reminded of priorities a little bit and we understand that life is fragile and we're human beings and suddenly you're just like, nothing else matters today. And we're also kind of in the stupor of like, how'd that happen or what went on? 
those are kind of the only moments I feel that life actually stops and slows down like that anymore. But the snow day, this idea, can you take a snow day for yourself once a month? Can you build in a rhythm into your schedule that says, I'm going to have a day of leisure. I'm going to make that happen. Can you create some boundaries? <laughs> can you create some boundaries? Um, you need that rest, you know? And so you're going to have to figure out how to create some of those boundaries and how to avoid some unnecessary stress. If you're going to avoid some unnecessary stress, maybe this is something you can do. Maybe to create a little bit more space in your life, a little bit more leisure, and step away from the hustle just a little bit more. Maybe you could just take email off your phone. Whoops. Like, maybe that would be a good call. I don't know. I mean, I've got it on mine. And I swear, I'm like doing something, and it, you know what I mean? And I automatically reach for it, and I automatically look at it, and I'm like, why are they bothering me right now? Well, I didn't turn it off. I didn't like take that off my phone. I didn't say, guess what? Like, no emails. Like, when I walk around and when I'm a human being. How about when I sit in front of the computer, emails? But how about not when I'm just out and about? Maybe there are some boundaries that could help you avoid some unnecessary stress. Maybe there are some boundaries you could create that are good rhythms to put in place that can make you say, OK, here's when I work. And here's when I don't. Here's when I'm participating in these kinds of activities. And here's when I'm doing this other thing. It's pretty cool. But it might take a little bit of time to kind of get there. Um, my parents were here last time, and we talked about the idea of grief. And one of the ideas that came up was um, what would really help when you're experiencing grief? What kind of person do you want in front of you? And the thing that kept coming up for me was I want someone with me when I'm experiencing grief, who's not in a hurry. That's who I want with me. I want someone who's not engaged in the hustle, someone who's not looking at their watch, someone who isn't like, oh, I got to get out of here. I want someone who's going to sit with me and be with me. And then I started to think about, when do I ever want to hang out with someone who's in a hurry? And I was like, hardly ever. Like, <laughs> like, I mean, when is it okay to be sitting across the table from the person at lunch and all they do is like, oh, oh my gosh, like I've got somewhere to be, you know? Like it never makes you feel great. Backing up, I think sometimes efficiency is the enemy. Sometimes hustle is not where it's at. And we've got to find ways to embrace the inefficiency of being a human being and understand that relationships and connection and community and all of these things they take time. They take more effort, not less effort, for more output and results. Like, it doesn't equate and work out the same way. So perhaps, when you're with people, you could ditch the whole phone thing, too. I mean, I've said this before, but if you're going to practice leisure, you're going to have to be a single task person. No more multitasking and flooding the kitchen floor, OK? Don't do it anymore. You're going to have to be a single task person who says, all right, I'm in this moment, and I'm engaged in this rest and this time off, and that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm about, and that's what I'm going to participate in. If you're playing with your kids, play with your kids. If you're hanging out with a friend, hang out with a friend. 
If you're out to lunch, be at lunch. Show up in a way that says, you're my focus right now. This is what I'm doing. So the ledger thing can be broad. You guys can put it out there. But the last thing I want to throw out is this. The idea of rituals and these kind of habits that have meaning and depth to them. I wanted to give you one example that I think is really cool that we just did. So lots of times there's like these rhythms in life and we participate in them. But we're becoming quickly kind of a culture that doesn't have a lot of those rhythms and those habits that have these meaning anymore. And so like literally one of the things is, and it used to be a part of a lot of cultures, it's like, hey, when you become an adult, we mark that somehow. And a lot of times nowadays, it's just like, hey, you get a license. <laughs> Slap on the back. <laughs> Good job. Or we say, oh, you're an adult now, and we hand them an iPhone. And we say, welcome. You know, like this is some, this is the marker now in a lot of ways. So we just recently celebrated a not mitzvah, because we're not Jewish, with our 13-year-old son. And it was kind of weird. I'm not going to lie. We did it with our older son, and we just did it with Lincoln. And it was this night dedicated to three hours of Lincoln sitting up front and us kind of celebrating him and saying great things about him with some close family and friends. And that's all we did. And we gave him gifts. And we had people who weren't in town write letters that told him, here's what you should like, think about this as you get older, and think about this as you become a man, and think about this. You know what I mean? And they wrote these heartfelt letters to him. And, like, he cried, and I sobbed like a baby. And, and it was such a great moment in three hours. And we had this great marking experience that we've built in rhythm. And then Tate knows that when he turns 13, here it comes for him. He just knows. And there were some other kids there that night that were like, Ooh, like, is this going to happen for me? Is this going to happen? Like, we are creatures that crave meaning, that crave purpose, and we are extremely inefficient. And back around 1913, this whole assembly line production thing happened, and slowly we've started to view life through this lens of, like, what does it mean to be an assembly line creature? We've put it on relationships, and we've put it on like success, and, and like our jobs, and we've kind of gotten caught up in the hustle. So I'll just end tonight by saying this, to hell with the hustle. Let's just kind of leave that behind, and let's embrace some new practices, and the one I want you to kind of experience a little bit and try to dabble with and experiment with is leisure. This space, time off, away from the hustle? How can you create some of that in your world? How can you create a rhythm of it? So it's not just something you check off the list and you're like, I did that. I did that. It's done. And it's like, no, 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 no. Let's create like a practice or a rhythm that just begins to get incorporated into your life that moves you forward and helps you step back a little bit more and more from the hustle slowly over time until you're this person that feels like, oh, this feels great. This is what I was looking for. <laughs> this is what I was trying to tap into. And I just thought, man, if I tried harder, I mean, everything I read said, just do more, do more, and you'll get there. But man, it doesn't seem to be working out for us, the hustle. So sometimes I just want you to step back and question, question, question. It's still a grand experiment. Again, it's not very old. 
this whole like go, 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 do more, do more. And some other cultures and places in the world have caught on. And man, I wish my employer, which is me, paid me 30 paid self-vacation days. Why don't I like start that up for myself? That'd be awesome. Like, that'd be so good. I'm going to do that, babe. That'd be good. Um, yeah, I mean, we should make it happen. So you are a creature that needs leisure. You're inefficient, and you need it. You need to be inefficient some days, extremely inefficient. Take that nap and don't feel guilty. Don't call passing out a nap, right? Like, find out how to create some of those rhythms and make it happen for your being. I feel like our souls and our hearts are being crushed by the hustle. Crushed. Find out and experiment a little bit more with leisure. Read up about it. See what some other people do. Create some space, create some rhythms, experiment with it. Most importantly, tell me about your experiments. I love to hear that kind of stuff because I fail miserably at a lot, right? You heard it from my wife. So yeah, just go for it. And even if you do it this much, victory, victory, right? It's like a step in the right direction, the baby steps. All right, it's seven. I kept you all the way to seven. I so apologize. I'm looking over at a clock when I put these on because I'm old and I can't see. So thank you guys for being here. November 5th, we'll be back here, and we will have a meeting about Costa Rica afterwards, right? So the handouts are on the back table. If you need some cards to like connect with some people, they're on the back table. If you want to sign up for the connection list that's going to be published next time we get together, it's back there as well. And then November 19th, Bunko is coming to more to life. We expect all of you to be there. <laughs> but thank you guys for being here. I hope that you can experience some leisure in the next two weeks and let us know. <laughs>